Welcome to Film Shapes, guys. Uh, with us today, we have Richard Sawada, founder and director of Revelation Perth International Film Festival, which turns 25 this year. Hi, Richard. Hi, how's it going? Great to be here. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and Rolly's here too. Hi, Rolly. Hey, how you doing? Uh, good to good hear from you, Richard. And um, yeah, happy birthday. Happy anniversary. Does it count as a silver? I don't know. Um, I, think, I think it's a silver jubilee. I think it's silver jubilee. <laughs> Nice. I don't know. I haven't really been. I haven't really been counting in in many ways. Like every year is just so intense in its own way, and and so um, so packed with stuff to do that you know you don't really reflect on last year, let alone the last twenty five years. You just um, get stuck into it and go. Uh, so yeah. it's it's quite you know it's quite funny when people talk about uh, you know twenty five years and, and <laughs> such because you don't you, you just don't really think about it. Yeah, just yeah. like aging in general, really, it comes as a surprise at a certain time. It does, but I do have to say, from time to time, um, I'm asked to talk about my um, just my my experience in the screen industry when you know I do a little bit of lecturing at um, universities and this and that, uh, and you know I get asked to talk about you know where where my experience came from and how I got into the industry and all that sort of thing. And I usually take a you know a folio of programs uh, of things right from the very first year of Rev, mm -hmm. and a few you know concepts and things that I did before then in in the lead up, uh, and you know in the lead up that was like probably ten years of doing other things in the, the screen industry, curating programs and this and that. And when you go back and look at the programs, uh, the actual printed programs and the posters and all that. I really, really enjoy that, and it's always a surprise. Like I, the design, and I remember talking to the designers. Like you know, I want the program to look like this, and um, can we have this little joke in here? And can we, you know, put a little surprise for the reader here, and that sort of thing. So, and I always looked at when we were doing the programs in the early days, and even still today, it was always about the the actual physical quality of the printed program, which was really important. Mm. So. Um, and I always felt that that was a reflection of the quality of the event uh, or the films in the event. And the reason for that in many ways is that, and still today, is so many films in the program are just not known to people. And so, you know, translating that um, filmic texture that I know is in the conceptual program, in the, the film program, into an actual physical hard copy program was always like a really important thing for me and when i look back at the, those programs i really really love them like they 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 do impress me and i think oh wow you know that's um i've forgotten about that or that was a really cool thing to do or you know that was a ridiculous thing to do but uh you know there's, there's always a there's a bit of joy looking back at those things and you know it, it you know it just makes me think about the relationships that i had with various people like the graphic artists who are very intertwined with the structure of the event and the look and the feel of the event and all that and um, the other people that worked on the event too and also the visiting filmmakers that that came over and and um, and that sort of thing so yeah I don't really think about it when I'm doing the events but when I do have the opportunity to look and reflect on the work I think oh wow you know this was cool uh, or this you know that was a really good year and that sort of thing so yeah it's um I was it's curious kind of in that, that in that twenty five year history, how long have you been working with Jack Sargent, Richard? Um, oh, uh, Jack! I reckon Jack came along quite early in the piece. So we started in ninety seven, and I I got introduced to Jack in 
2002, I think. Uh, I was doing, it might have even been 2000. Uh, I was, I think it was 2000 actually. I was doing a program, uh, a, like a retro retrospective program looking at beat cinema from the 50s and 60s. So, you know, there was a, a really great film that had Jack Kerouac in it called Pull My Daisy uh, and had um, uh, Allen Ginsberg and all those, Ken Casey and all those, you know, beat kind of type writers and musicians and poets and all that in it. And there was another one called Holy Communion, which was a, a live poetry reading with people like Ginsberg and uh, Gregory Corso and all those kind of characters. Um, and I really didn't know very much about kind of the beat um, cinema and beat literature and that sort of thing. Um, and I was talking to and Demi Garot, who was the director of the Brisbane Film Festival back in the day, in 2000, when I was planning the program, and I said, oh, and we were sharing, did a lot of program sharing amongst all the film festivals back then, which really doesn't happen now. Um, and so we were sharing programs, and I was talking to her, and I said, oh, yeah, look, I'm doing a, a, a beat retrospective, a beat program retrospective. And she said, oh, yeah, look, so are we, we're looking at doing something like that too. So we kind of shared intel, uh, and... Um, uh, I'd read uh, a book by Jack um, called Naked Lens, which was a really excellent book about um, beat cinema. And so I thought, oh, look, this guy seems like a bit of an expert and I'm just a complete noob. So I'll drop him a line and see what he's got to say. So anyway, I dropped him a line and um, then we started our kind of creative relationship then. And I said to Anne in Brisbane, hey, look, you should talk to this guy, Jack. He's just like got it sussed, the whole beat cinema thing. So she did, and she brought him out, um, I think, and got he curated part of her program. Uh, and then so we started talking and this and that, and then a number of years later, 2007, I got a job here in Melbourne at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, and Megan Spencer... Um, who was the Triple J film critic, took over the reins as director of the event in that year. And then the following year, I was still here in Melbourne and just really didn't have the time to devote to wholesale programming of, of the festival. So um, Jack had done, I think, a couple of little retrospective components of the event. And anyway, so I, I said to him, hey, mate, would you be interested in being the program director? So that was, so let's call it, in answer to the question, 2008, um, and how long is that? That's 12, 12 years, 15 years, something like that? Yeah, because yeah. I think um, we've... That he's been involved in the event? Yeah. I think in one of the previous interviews we've done with you, we, yeah, you spoke a little bit more at length on, on that relationship as well and how that, that works, and it seems like, yeah, you guys together really look over all the films and things, don't you? Mm. Yeah, yeah, we work really well together, actually. We've got very different tastes. Well, we've got a lot of similarities in our tastes. Like, we like high-risk films, we like films that deal with gender and and politics and yeah. um, social justice and, you know, the harder the harder questions. We like that. Um, but probably more than the films themselves, we both really like stirring the pot. We both really like poking people in the eye with works that will make them, you know, take a second look or raise their eyebrow or whatever. And my introduction to that really, aside from things that I'd done previously, but when I got a film band in 1999, I think it was, the government band of film of ours, that really turned me on to the power 
of working in a, in a subversive kind of type way. And Jack and I really connect on that, um, on that air, in that area of being subversive with our programming and also very playful. Um, so we, you know, we have a lot of very hot, heated discussions about films that should go in and films that shouldn't um, and that sort of thing. So th there is a lot of that, but we get along really mm. super well. We really understand each other well. Like, in fact, the whole organisation, everyone that works for Rev is in that position of a great understanding of each other and what each other's idiosyncrasies are and what our strengths and weaknesses are and that sort of thing. So as a unit, um, we, we, we all kind of program and, and we all argue the point uh, and we all have a voice and we all have high-level decision-making, all of us, capability. Uh, and, um, yeah, so we all get along really well and we all are able to put together a very, very tightly curated event that's built around argumentative positions and political viewpoints. Do you think, so, yeah, do you think, uh, just because you mentioned politics, do you think it's in the nature of any... Uh, film festival that there's going to be an element of politics that it deals with just because of the nature of the art form? No, no, I don't think there is. I think that's been leached almost completely out of the industry now. Uh, and there, there is very, very few film festivals in the world uh, that actually are reflective of the personal opinions of the people that are behind the event. Um, so... I like to think, and I don't hide from it, that we have a very strong editorial eye uh, and position with the event. Uh, but uh, in particularly in this environment today where films are pulled at a moment's notice by a film festival's board because they feel that it might arc up some level of controversy. Um, and that happened recently with the Melbourne Film Festival with the film The Trouble With Being Born, which was probably mm. just before COVID when that happened. Well, I mean, that sounds like politics, though, doesn't it? You know, that is, you know, that's the uh, film festival <laughs> dealing very directly with politics in well, a way, that, isn't it? Well, that, that's the that's the no, that's the film festival reacting to politics, not discussing politics or having a, a political voice. Okay, that's being scared of politics. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so it, it is political, but it's political. It's it's. It's political in a um, you know in a weak way. You're not prepared. You're prepared sort of. Yeah, you're prepared mm. to have the you're prepared to program the film, knowing that there is danger in doing that. But when the danger is its head and you back off, that's yeah. not you know that's that you know that's counterproductive. So I think I think most festivals don't have that um, that muscle. To, uh, to stand by their belief and to even have a belief. Um, they much more view themselves as a point of exhibition where it's up to the filmmakers to have the opinion, not the exhibition space itself. Mm. There are, you know, I don't know how this is going to sound, mm. but in instances, they're like a gallery wall. They have, they, that, that's what they are. Well, that's how they view themselves, as a wall in a gallery uh, and the wall itself is just a structural thing it's not a, a living breathing thing or a, a thing that can have a, an opinion or anything like that it's just a thing uh, but uh, 
we take a very different approach and we'd like to have our voice heard, our personal voice heard and our mm -hmm. interpretation of the creative world. Um, we like to, to have that voice heard as well as a, a, from a curatorial perspective. So, yeah, I, I don't think yeah. many festivals at all have any kind of editorial opinion or, or any kind of actual individual voice. Um, yeah. The directorship goes from one director to another to a, another, and the tone of the festival remains consistent amongst each of those directors or curators or whatever. Uh, uh, and that's not what you want. That's not what I want anyway. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Richard, just, just coming back to the, the programs, um, you see, you're talking about the physical printed programs. Mm. I, was, I was struggling to find any, anything online about the history of so it goes back a couple of years i think on your site but i couldn't find any any old programs is that uh, do you have them all physically oh yeah i've got them all physically and i've got all the old posters and all that sort of thing and yeah. i've got literally hundreds of film posters of films that have been in the event from 1997 uh so i, I i've got tons of them uh and uh they're the bane of my life actually but i do love them uh but yeah. um um, yeah, all the physical programs I have and all the elements, like we, we did some years we did drink coasters and some oh, years wow. we, like, we printed yeah. like a 3D program at one point where that came with 3D glasses uh, and uh, that, that was kind of cool. Uh, in fact, it was very cool. Uh, and I've got dozens of uh, posters of the first year because like in the first and second year of the event, we, we toured the event nationally, so we well partially oh, nationally. Okay. We went to Sydney and Adelaide, I think, with the um, with the first two festivals, um, and uh, so yeah, I've got I've got all the materials. I try and keep as much as I can. Um, at the time, you know, it's like this is just taking up space, or you know, I can't fit it in my suitcase or anything like that. But um, the the longer you know, like, I, maybe it's just because I'm a hoarder, but uh, I, I I like having them, and uh, yeah. they're, they're really they're really interesting, and each oh, yeah. each of them tells a story of the time yeah uh, i'd love to have so, a look at some of those uh, if, is there any chance of you scanning them and putting them up online somewhere <laughs> uh probably probably not but it's a good idea <laughs> that's yeah. a great idea yeah, you should have done it for your 25th anniversary oh there you well, go. thanks yeah i should have yeah, I <laughs> maybe the have. maybe we'll have to wait for the pearl 30th or something for the all the programs to be online i reckon so at this stage <laughs> <laughs> five years can you remember richard can you remember um Back to ninety seven. What what were some of the films you were you'd shown there? Is that oh, okay, off the top of your head? All right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can re I can remember. Um, I did a uh, an animation, a retrospective animation pro program called Bad Bugs Bunny, uh, oh. and that was that was like uh, very racist and very pornographic. Well, not graphic, but very sexually oriented. <laughs> um, Films and politically unsound films from filmmakers like Tex Avery, animators from like Tex Avery, uh, who is okay. very raunchy, um, and uh, a couple of like very questionable Disney animations and mm, that right. sort of thing. Huh. So I did a program called Bad Bugs Bunny. I did a program called Six Sis Picks, which was a uh, a program of contemporary uh, short films from women filmmakers, primarily in, in the United States. Okay. I did a program which I put together myself called Teenage Babylon uh, about, oh, well, the, the program 
there was a film in it called Teenage Babylon. I can't remember the title of the program, but um, it was a program about youth culture filmmaking, um, you, know, you know, skateboarding and suicide even back in the day and uh, rock and roll and that sort of thing. Um, what else was in there? I did a film, a feature film called 100 Proof, which was like an indie crime thriller, um, which was very good. Uh, what else did I do? Um, oh, that's that's all I can remember off the top of my head. Um, well, as it was the first one, was it? Did, did you have to call out for entries like you do now, or how did no, you... no, I didn't then. I, I like okay. I just I'd, I'd been building networks of um, film collectors and independent, like true independent, un, literally underground cinemas, like in basements and that sort of mm. thing in the United States, particularly in San Francisco. Like at that point, I'd opened quite a network for myself with uh, underground filmmakers and independent filmmakers in San Francisco. Right. Um, particularly with a filmmaker by the name of Craig Baldwin, who I, I've brought out to Australia twice, who's just a genius um, documentary filmmaker. Uh, and he introduced me to a whole scene in San Francisco and New York as well of these um, really amazing underground filmmakers, some of which went on to make incredible feature films later on. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, that, that kind of thing. Like people like Todd, Todd Phillips, for instance, oh, who, yeah. you know, did The Hangover and The Joker and yeah. a whole bunch of other things. Like we showed his first documentary, which was called Hated, which was a documentary about Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies, right. um, the long dead you know, New York punk rocker. Um, that, that film was incredible. Uh, lucky to get it through the classification office because I basically lied about the movie um, <laughs> and what was in it. Um, so, so those those filmmakers, you know, we we showed hated uh, as well in actually a pre rev kind of type thing down at Mojo's and a couple of other mm -hmm. locations. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I just kind of built those built the programs out of those networks that I've been developing, but also I'd spend a lot of time with the national film in the National Film and Sound Archive collection and also. WA State Library used to have a huge 16mm film collection, like thousands of movies that you could just right. buy um, okay. on 16mm, uh, and <clears throat> which is how I was showing movies back in 1997 right. on, on the 16mm projectors, which I still have in my house. In fact, I've got one just sitting in my hallway right now. <laughs> uh, and um, the uh, So I built a few retrospective programs out of those films as well, looking at sex education and atomic testing and propaganda and th those kind of type, you know, obscure things. Um, yeah, so that's that's how I built those programs. And then as things went on quite quickly, um, the subsequent year, uh, I started to be able to, to get hold of 35 millimeter films, which everything was on film back then, yeah. uh, which meant that I had to go to a cinema. So I went to Luna and started screening at uh, at the Luna, just only a couple of sessions um, and a few sessions at the old FTI down in, in Freer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and slowly, 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 year by year, it built out and built out and built out um, to what it is today. Um, yeah. So, and I think in the first year, we probably had about 15 individual feature length programs of feature films or short films in feature length programs and that sort of thing. So we had... Probably about fifteen, about fifteen uh, feature-length right. programs in the thing, and now we have two hundred, 
or more. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Was it always a plan to continue? Like, did you even think that maybe that 97 would be the, the first and only one at one point? Or No, no. I always had the, I, I wouldn't call it the ambition, but mm. maybe it was a dream, maybe it was an ambition, maybe it was just something I thought I could do. Uh, but I always had the idea that it would be WA, at very least, the, the major international film festival in Western Australia, if not in Australia, mm. if not in the region. So uh, I, I always had that thing that, uh, I, you know what, I reckon I can do this. I, I, reckon, yeah. I reckon I can do this. Uh, and that kind of I reckon I can do this spirit is, hasn't left the event at all, mm. uh, which is why today we're making movies, we're actually producing movies, we're producing virtual reality works. We're doing producing two right now as we speak. Um, we've commissioned more than 20 um, short films over the last five years um, to be made. Um, and you know, all these things like, you know, making a VR film, it's like two years ago, it's like, what the fuck? How do you do I, 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 How? What? Uh, and when, when it was first floated to me as to, hey, look, um, COVID's, COVID's hit the arts community incredibly hard. They're devastated. Um, this was put to me by a government agency. We'd like to look at a way of employing, of providing employment for some various sectors of the arts. And, you know, we think that making a VR thing, a VR piece around dance, dance might do that. Do you reckon you could do it? It's like, well, knowing nothing about VR, I, of course I said yes. Uh, and um, then, so we did it, uh, and they turned out really, really good. Uh, and so that's kind of the spirit. What from from way back in the day and before, it's like you know what, I wonder how this works, or you know, I reckon I can do that. Uh, and that's 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 it. And that that stayed with the event, uh, and that was always the case back then. You know, I I think I can do this. So, yeah. 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 Right. And it's turned out it's turned out really really well. But yeah. you know it's funny when when I look at the um, like we we obviously have a business plan. We have like a three year business plan which we update every three years because our funding is on a three year basis. And so I look at the business plan, and there's literally nothing that I have to do to it except update the dates and the initiatives that we're working on and developing through the three year cycle. Because everything that I we, it's not just me, but everything that we um, uh, say we can do and will do, we do. And yeah. we do it to the level that we project we can do it at. And when we project certain figures or certain outcomes, we're not timid with them. Like, we really go for it. Yeah. Uh, and um, when when I look at those business plans and see the consistency of achieving the the dreams and the the goals that we set for ourselves, which are hard, um, you know, I it's I know we're doing the right thing, and I'm and we're we're achieving what we want to achieve, and the audience is coming with us for the ride, and and the industry is coming with us for the ride too, yeah. so, you know, it's um and that that started before 1997, but really coalesced at that yeah. point as to you know what I think we've got something here. Great. Yeah. Um, can we let's now turn to this year's uh, uh, program, if we could? Um, yeah. I, I, it's it's hard for me to 
to pin down a, like a through line in this this program. Uh, I, lots of like po there's politics, there's art, music, a bit of magic yes. realism by the looks of it. Some yes. strange looking sci-fi. Um, yes. Can you help me explain? It's going to make some sense. Of choices when he tells you. It'll all fall into what place. <laughs> yes. what, what was that, Roland? Well, I'm I'm guessing that you have got an idea, like you did have uh, last time, but that it might all fall into place for Shady when you tell him, because yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> for, I know for a fact he he has looked through it all very carefully. <laughs> okay, well that well that's good. That's that's good. You're you're the person that's done that. Um, look, the, um, the the through line. Um, look, in, in putting the program together, like every year, we, we know that there are components that audiences respond to very well. We know that there will always be films of that kind or, or of that style that we're looking, that we want, uh, and that kind of are the pillars of the program. So horror is always something that we look for or that we're receptive to. Uh, documentary as a whole is something that we're receptive to, uh, as is films that deal with LGBTQIA plus uh, issues and themes and questions, uh, as is social justice. This year, particularly because of COVID internationally, has been a really, really interesting year uh, in, uh, in in selecting films. The, the first 18 months of COVID, uh, well, the first two of our previous two events in COVID really had a lot of films that were still hungover, hangover from the pre-COVID time. So they were had been shot before and then they were uh, edited and, and that sort of thing during COVID, during COVID time. So there were still those um, solid American indie comedies and uh, American indie films and that sort of thing. But they, they just kind of... Um, the, well, the last year, really, when COVID has settled on the industry, um, has, has made that has there's different kinds of movies there, uh, and the movies that are there are much more serious. They're much more compact um, than previous years, so they're not as expansive in cast, and they're not as ex as expansive in. Um, in um, production scale and all that sort of thing. So if I was to define any kind of theme in that runs through the program is, is that there's uh, the films of the films to me seem very personal to the filmmakers and very personal to the people involved in them. They're not about grand things that about small gestures and uh, intimate relationships and more, um, community is not the right word, but it's the word that that I I feel. But the more films are more in solidarity with each other, and I I'm, I, I kind of noticed this doing the St Kilda Film Festival recently as well. That the audience, the, the filmmakers, the, the filmmakers are together in a way that they never have been before in, that I've seen in their mm. support for each other, and the audience is behind the filmmakers in a way that I've never seen before as well. Audience is not, for, for these kind of films, is not looking at the films and the filmmakers going with their arms crossed going, okay, impress me, you know, give, give it your best shot. Uh, they're, they're looking at the films in a different way and cheering on the films, even the films that they don't like uh, or are not that thing <laughs> because of the spirit behind 
the making of the films in probably the hardest that. time these filmmakers have have um, have experienced and mm. the audiences have experienced. So there's a different kind of vibe in the films yeah. and a different kind of a vibe in the way the films are received. So I'm feeling that in our program, that, that there's a lot of there is some magical uh, magical realism. There's quite a lot of magical realism in in the, in the program. I love it, but yeah. that's also a sign of the times as well of the last few years of just breaking out of the, those constraints and thinking to pulling yourself out of your own body, uh, yeah. and, um, and and having and a free imagination rather than a free body, yeah. um, and uh, also in in the documentaries as well. I mean, there are films in there that are just shatteringly beautiful but so um grounded and authentic in in what it is that they're trying to deal with like we have a documentary in there called a house made of splinters which is set in a ukrainian orphanage before the, the current situation in ukraine and my lord the power and the and, and the stories and it's like a fly on the wall kind of type thing but it's just shattering uh, and the, the the documentary Navalny about Navalny, you know Putin's, um, yeah. you know kind of opposition. Uh, that film, holy shit, that <laughs> is just something else. Uh, and it's a small movie, like it's an intimate movie yeah. uh, about a global uh, struggle. Uh, and uh, so there's things like that. So there's, mm. so I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of power. In, in the program, we, we always have a lot of kind of punch, but I think the whole program is like really coming at you. And I think uh, in, in that kind of a way, and ultimately I think if there's like a core of the program that binds it all together, it's the local content, which is the strongest that we've ever seen in, in our program and probably the strongest that we've seen Full stop. In, how many in the local? local setting. Like, how many local films do you show, Richard? Oh, uh, crikey! Um, we did a count. I did a count of last year's program, and I think we had seventy six. We have seventy six Australian films oh. uh, in the program, and I think if, of Western Australian films. I'm going to take a stab and say we've probably got something around the vicinity of thirty six something around that zone. Mm. Uh, and there is probably five feature and featured documentaries in there, all independently produced, maybe even more, probably maybe six or seven. Uh, and one one actually is just sold out just um, yesterday. Yeah. That's a um, dream, right? That's a dream, yeah, mm. yeah. So um, that's, you know, that's that went nuts. Uh, yeah. Obviously, people are like, right, this is what I'm saying, they're right behind the content, especially local content. And so are we. So for us, local content is really shining this year. And we don't program program them because they're local. We program them without fear or favour against the works from around the world. Yeah. Uh, but we like showing local works, but they're really, really good this year. And cool. that's that's probably another big thing in the program. That I think, I think it was... I think it was Basson Dream it seemed like quite a young director, and I was curious about the the average age of the people making films in Western Australia, for instance? Oh, they're pretty young. We've got a film called Cherub Head, which was made by school kids or kids <laughs> at school. Well, that'll bring the average um, so, down. Yeah, well, you know, it's young. Uh, it's not the establishment, of course, 
Um, yeah, mm. it's young. So right. if I was to put an age on things, and even the films that we commissioned through the City of Vincent Film Project that I was talking about earlier, the age is probably in the early 20s, early to mid-20s, Yep, uh, I'd, I'd be thinking, um, which is great, you know. So so energetic, they're so committed. They've got a, a complete career in front of them, like a whole career in front of them, and um, we're really amped to be able to give them the, um, the, the time on the screen and the opportunity to really tout, tout their wares. So, yeah. It's pretty it's amazing. Quite a different story from well, or, or is it? I, I, you know, have have filmmakers in in your festival always been young? Do you think, or is, has there been any trend in one direction or another? Uh, look, I, I would probably say that the answer is yes. I think they have been on the younger side, um, simply because so many of the films that we screen just are not they, they they're just completely under the radar of other film festivals nationally locally nationally and internationally mm. um so and they're the kind of works that we're attracted to as well you know they're the high risk works they're the works that are um you know they don't always work in their own right as a film but it's not it's not always the entirety of the of the film that that we're looking for we're looking for something different we're looking for films and filmmakers that an audience can look at and go, you know what, I cannot wait to see that next film. Um, or that, that, was, that, that I was not expecting. So those kind of, that, that's the kind of spirit that we look for. It is younger, a younger kind of um, filmmaker um, that's, that's doing that and that's part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so yeah, they they are they are on the younger side, which makes the program feel so energetic. I think. Mm. Um, Richard, while we're on the on the program, do you, well, I've, I do this every year, and it probably gets a bit tiresome. But do you reckon you could pick out five recommendations for us? Yeah, I reckon I could. If you want me to kill my babies, I'll do it in front of the world. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, that's all right. Uh, so I, like I said, Navalny, that is just a, an amazing documentary. Mm -hmm. And if anyone has seen the documentary Citizen Four, uh, uh um, about so Edward Snowden, Snowden yeah. uh, Edward yep. Snowden, it's of a similar quality to that. Mm. And that was, you know, a, an extraordinarily high quality film. Uh, I have to say that I also really like... It's a sci-fi film in the program called Planet X. Uh, and that, that is a triumph of low-budget and independent filmmaking. Uh, it's set on Earth in, in, in the future, in, in a desolate Earth, in a desolate Earth uh, where people can only go out at a certain time of the day, otherwise they get completely um, annihilated by the sun. Uh, but it's, um, it's, it's so well-made and so imaginative it, that is the kind of movie that you look at and go, you know, where, why, why, where are these movies? Where is this yeah. movie on on the screens generally? And it's not like a commercially looking movie, but it's so gripping and so inspiring in the way that it's put together. It's it's like I want to see more of this. Give, give me another taste. Um, so, Planet X, I have to say, is like uh, a, a favorite. Uh, so that's two. Uh, a third one is a feature film called Shadow, which is a film made by the Back to Back Theatre Company here in Melbourne. They're based in Geelong. They recently won 
I think it was $350,000 of the, you know, it was uh, the Ibsen Prize for Drama, which is the most highly awarded, one of the most highly uh, awarded prizes for, or highly regarded prizes for drama. And the play, the, 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 the film is based on a play. Uh, it's uh, completely um, uh, acted and produced by uh, people with disability. And my lord, it's it's like a sci-fi. It's a sci-fi as well uh, about artificial intelligence, and that thing absolutely rocks. And when I saw it, like um, my son who runs the Fantastic Film Fest over here in Melbourne, sent me a link to it, and he said, "Mate, Dad, have a look at this thing. It's a banger." And I, <laughs> you know, I looked at it, and he was right. It's an absolute corker, and it's it's just dazzling uh, in every way. Um, and so that that's that's a must see from my perspective because it's completely unlike anything else I've ever seen, and, and it will be for for audiences too. Um, and uh, that, so that's three. Yep. Uh, I really really like um, a feature film which is a magical realism type film called Freaks Out, which is a kind of set in World War Two. It's kind of a reverse superhero. Um, uh, story about uh, some circus performers who are sick of their life in the circus, uh, in a travelling circus, and they they hear of this Nazi uh, uh, circus, which is like very high profile and all that sort of thing, and they think finally some money. But as it turns out, the person who's um, running the Nazi circus is looking for people with special powers, uh, so they they fall into this um, this situation, uh, which is. Uh, the, the film itself, I mean, that is a big film. That's probably one of the bigger um, scope films in the festival uh, in that superhero kind of type way. And it's so well done. It's beautifully told. Uh, it's filled with action. And on the big screen, it just thunders. So I, I like Freaks Out. You know, that's that's uh, that's a, a really good uh, movie. Uh, and what else have we got going here? I have to say from something, well, A House Made of Splinters, I mentioned before, so that takes me to five. I mean, that is, you know, it, that's really deep. You know, it's it's a very profound movie. Uh, and, you know, I do, as a final one, this takes it up to six, yep. the Kurt Vonnegut documentary, Unstuck in Time. Okay. That, that's that's really, really great. If, yeah. if you're looking for a portrait of one of the great literary figures, of uh you know in living memory uh mm. you know uh that, that that one's a good one and that one actually gets national release around rev time but we have it exclusively for for the festival but that is a very very good movie and we're also screening slaughterhouse five actually as part of that yeah uh, oh, program yeah. great yeah oh, so that's cool. that's my that's my uh recommendations but Brilliant. yeah i, I, I like love good, them all good selection there yeah, no, yeah thanks Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Rolly, did you have any final questions? Uh, I'm. I think I've kind of asked most of my questions in amongst all. Well, Richard certainly answered most of my questions in amongst all the all, right. um, all the conversations. So there, yeah, it's. I'm pretty good actually. I thought weren't you going to talk about some of the events like the? Oh well, bigger, Richard, already you, you already mentioned. I think um, I was curious about the artist installation at Pika, and you know just the fact that you're working with. Um, you know, genres outside just film, and there's um, there's of course yeah. the artist talks and things like that as well. Yeah, look, that's it's an interesting point, Rolly. I, I think in that 
We started working with, in fact, even from the early days of Rev, we uh, were working with a variety of, or presenting gallery um, installations, like uh, mm. Edith Cowan University used to have a gallery, I think it was on Beaufort Street or Sterling Street, called Spectrum. Uh, and we um, we worked with them in presenting some um, moving image art and visual art uh, from year to year. Um, as you know, Rolly, we, we did um, <laughs> a live, live performance regularly and we still do um, as part of the festival. Uh, yeah. One year we had a micro cinema at the bakery uh, down there on James Street. It was on James Street, right, from memory. Uh, and um, with live music and, and various things. So we have worked in sectors outside of the traditional film festival form since the early days of the festival, actually. Yeah. And in recent years, particularly, we've been partnering at a much higher level with organisations like with arts organisations like PICA and the Fremantle Arts Centre in presenting, you know, very um, intricate and sophisticated moving image art uh, installations. Mm -hmm. So for us, you know, it's it's a, a really it's a natural extension for us, you know, to explore the form and to explore what a film festival can be, and to explore what moving image is, whether it's on the big screen or on another screen or in another place. So um, this kind of stood us in really, really good in a really, really good position with COVID in many ways. Uh, in that, when COVID hit. Um, a lot of other film festivals have only been what they are. Uh, and when they had to think differently about what they are and where their audiences are and the kind of their relationship with audiences and their relationship with moving image and the creators of moving image, they had nowhere to go. Um, and they didn't know what to do. They lived, And this is not dishing the other our brothers and sisters around the country um, because we love them all and we work with them all but from a, a creative point of view it was very very difficult for them and that was seen all around the world not just here in australia for us it was a very different matter altogether because we'd been working in building our own streaming service seven years mm. before COVID hit um, so we had that knowledge and we had that experience We've been working with different kinds of audiences in different contexts and in different places well before COVID hit. So in so in coming out of COVID and being in COVID too, but coming out of COVID, we, we have a, a, a structure that, uh, that can develop and reach audiences well outside of the, 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 the kind of catchment that film and other arts festivals usually have. So in, in being refused to be boxed in and in enjoying the exploration of the space um, actually turned out to be a really, really strategically important and creatively important thing for us to do. Uh, and it's allowed us to develop our audience base. It's enabled us to um, explore our space as a film festival, but more importantly, as a cultural event. Uh, and, you know, the way that I look at things now and the way that I look at the festival now is the the film festival in the traditional form is only just a part of what it is that we are now. We're an, an arts festival. Um, uh, a few, 
I mean, three, four years ago before um, COVID, we had Amel and the Sniffers and Racket from Sydney over doing a weekend of music, you know, with a bunch of eight other local Perth bands. Um, and the desire then was to build a music festival as, as part of the, the film festival too. So doing all this is not a struggle to find new audiences or redefine ourselves or anything like that. It's just a natural progression of moving through the arts and, and the moving image form and doing the gallery exhibits like what we're doing yeah. with Sean Gladwell, who is one of Australia's most well-known moving image artists, um, is just a part of that. Well, that's it. I think it's and all, a very, very important. The common thread I see there is that is the technology, and film has always been a technology dependent. Uh, film has always been a technology dependent art form. So, the fact that you're now exploring uh, streaming and VR technologies, you know, it does make a lot of sense in uh, many ways as well. Mm. So, it's the other people that maybe are falling behind a bit if they're only focusing on on uh, film itself. Well, it's very easy in the business, in any business, to become complacent. When you're at the top, become complacent with your position. Mm. Uh, and to and that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or, or anything like that. It's just kind of a, a state of complacent inertia where everything's going well. You're, you're making money, you're getting audiences, you're getting the coverage, you're dominating the landscape, uh, and uh, everything's chugging along beautifully. And make no mistake, these... these events are business, are businesses, you know, um, they're big business. Uh, and then something like COVID comes along and completely flips that. Uh, and suddenly you're not what you thought you were. And in fact, you're not even on. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that completely reframed um, the character of uh, what a film and arts festival can be, could be. Uh, and for us, We'd been doing it for a long time prior to that. So for us, it wasn't, you know, we didn't have to try and reinvent ourselves or figure out what to do or, or anything like that. We were already doing it and had been doing it. So the structures were completely in place for us. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's a, in, in getting to that point, there's a lot of resistance from around you, from, you know, from places where you might get money or this and that. It's like, what actually are you? What, I, I, don't, I don't kind of get it. You know, why are you why are you working with games? Your film, you know that that kind of why are you working with VR? Your film, yeah. so those kind of things. So, um, so there's there's that, um, the, yeah. The, so there is that, um, I don't know that barrier that that kind of I don't know what it is, but it, it's that kind of resistance of just people not not being people being complacent. That's yeah. it. And we're not complacent. We don't take anything we do for granted. We don't take our audience for granted. And we certainly don't take um, the filmmakers that we work with for granted as well. So, um, yeah, so we're, we were in a really good place before COVID and we're even actually strangely in a better place after COVID. Great. Um, Richard, just to wrap up, when, when and where can we see the festival? Oh, yeah. Um, after that strange rant, uh, the, uh, the festival's <laughs> on at uh, Luna uh, in Leadville and Luna Essex. Uh, we also are having screenings at the museum uh, and we, we have our moving image art exhibits at Pika. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's that's where we are. You can find everything online, program tickets and everything at revelationfilmfest.org. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'd love to see you all there. It's July 7th to 17th, right? 
Uh, yeah, it's July the 7th to the 17th. And we also have an online component, which I do believe is running until the 27th. So we've got okay. like about a dozen films online as well. Great. Okay. Nice one. Well, excellent. Thank you very much again, Richard. Good to right. talk to you. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, no, it's a real pleasure. Thanks, thanks for having me. Thank you.